Our reading today will be found in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 13 to 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you buy and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Selfish, selfish ambition, deception, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envy the Lord bless us really. Well, thank you, um, Elijah, very much for that reading. And thank you again for the opportunity uh, to share this chapel service with you today and to bring this word to us from Galatians 5. Um, this is the second in a three-part series entitled Revolutionary Work. In other words, work that makes a profound difference in the world. And last week we looked at the place of work in God's purposes through the lens of Genesis 1. And we looked at three facets of our work and why it matters. Our work matters to God because he is a God who works and we bear his image. So our work has intrinsic value. And secondly, our work has instrumental value. By the time God had created Adam on day six, there was ground to stand on there to breathe, gorgeous environment to enjoy, nutritious food to eat, animals to look after, purposeful work to be done in the garden. So what had God done there? He'd created a context where human beings can flourish. And so our, through our work, God gets done what he wants to get done. People get fed because of farmers 
supply chains, food banks, policies, parents, and so on. And thirdly, we saw that our work has relational value in that it contributes to the well-being of others and enhances our relationship with God himself. Work has a significant place in the purposes of God in the world. So this week we are exploring Galatians 5 and allowing this passage from scripture to expand our imagination for what a Christian at work could look like. What does it look like to be fruitful? Supposing um, you went home um, this evening and a Christian friend asked you, did you have a good day at work as a Christian? As a researcher or administrator, as an MP or whatever your role may be, as someone who is also a Christian, was it a good day from God's perspective? Now, I don't know how you might um, think about answering that question. I imagine, though, if you happen to have had a great conversation at the water cooler about Jesus or at the coffee point about why faith matters in politics, you might have more readily responded, yes, it was a good day at work as a Christian. And if you hadn't, a day quite like that, how might you have responded? Was it a good day at work as a Christian? Well, I think Galatians 5 helps us with this question. What could fruitfulness at work look like? Galatians 5, of course, um, contains the very, this very familiar cluster of fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'll come to these. But I want to start where the whole chapter in Galatians starts. With freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom, a revolutionary word if ever there was one. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul goes on to write, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. We are free from the consequences of sin, free from the power of sin, free from the slavery of being a debtor to God. And we are freed for eternal life, freed by depending on grace, we are freed to align ourselves with his purposes in the world. We are freed to trust God's help. We are freed to love. And Paul takes this joyous truth that in Christ we are free and binds it irrevocably to love. Galatians 5.13 You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single commandment, love your neighbour as yourself. Love your neighbour, love your co-worker, love your constituents, love those whom you serve. 
Love those who share your office, who are on your team. Love those you work with and those you work for. The freedom that we have in Christ is a freedom to learn to love well. And that includes our work, our fellow workers and those in our institutions. But love at work? Well, I wonder, might love at work look something like this? Janet was working in one of the major banks after the crash and they'd been hit hard. And she and her head office, head office team had been charged with trimming costs in their division. And there was a line in the budget with 1.5 billion pounds at the end of it. And it turned out to be bad consumer debt. And the head, of it, head office team thought it was irrecoverable. Nobody wanted to pay them back. But Janet didn't think that seriously indebted people necessarily thought that way. She thought some people wanted a way out, wanted a way to do the right thing. So she decided to make a short film to show the senior team how they really felt about their situation and to try to develop a better way of helping them. And she also asked the senior team this question. How long do we give our call centre operators to help seriously indebted customers? Seven and a half minutes was the answer. Well, how about up to an hour, she proposed. Well, I don't, I think they just talk about football and fashionably apparel. I don't think our operators are like that, was Janet's response. I think they want to do a good job. So she wrote up a protocol for a uh, conversation up to an hour. <coughs> And the estimated return to the bank was 500 million pounds. And many people were liberated from the shackles of debt. Isn't that love? Love for those who are in debt? Love actually for the call centre operators offering a better path to do a better job, to make a better difference? Love for the senior team, helping them to see a way that together they could do good. Learning to love well in all of life includes learning to love well at work. So how might this passage from Galatians today help us? Well, first Paul tells us, live by the Spirit. In other words, if we want to serve one another in love at work, we will need to learn to live by the Spirit at work. And then he goes on to note some of the ways that not living by the Spirit might manifest themselves. Sexual immorality, idolatry, jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, and so on. But, he says, this is how you will see what life in the Spirit looks like. The fruits look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. I'm wondering what ways can you imagine Janice at the bank might have needed to depend on the work of the Spirit in her situation? Patience with people who didn't get her idea. Gentleness in offering alternatives. Kindness in approaching the development of new call centre protocols. 
self-control with those who she had debts, or as the call centre operators riled her, faithfulness in persevering against objections. And as you think about what you go back to this afternoon, what fruit of the Spirit will you display in your meetings through the tasks that you undertake in your conversations in pitching an idea through your presence in a room? Serve one another in love. Live by the Spirit. Let the fruit of the Spirit ripen in you. This theme of fruitfulness is found throughout the Bible. In another of his letters, Paul writes to the Christians in Colossae, thanking God for them, excited that the gospel, which has been bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, has also been bearing fruit and growing among them. We are praying for you, Paul says in Colossians, that you will bear fruit in every good work. And in yet another letter, this time to the Christians in Philippi, Paul prays that they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Far from being incidental, Paul's references to bearing fruit here and elsewhere tap into a rich theme which runs through the Bible from beginning to end. We find fruit on the first and last pages of Scripture, in the Garden of Eden and in the New Jerusalem and almost everywhere in between. And these references to bearing fruit are remarkably similar to the phraseology and thought of Genesis 1, 28, which we, read, which we read last week. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And what Paul seems to be suggesting is that the gospel is creating a people who now fulfill the purpose of the creation mandate, a people who are being remade in the image of the creator, a people who are making something of the world, who are wrapped up into God's purposes and work of creating a context where human beings flourish, his work of renewing all things under the lordship of Christ. This is the power of the gospel. And men and women who bear the fruit of the Spirit are a sign of that new creation. And Paul says in Galatians 5, those who walk by the Spirit, verse 16, are led by the Spirit, verse 18, who live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25, are no longer under the authority of the law. Nor are they bound to gratify the desires of the flesh, that way of life that marked by alienation from God and each other. Instead, the death and resurrection of Christ and the giving of the Spirit have ushered in this new era, a new creation, no less, he writes in the next chapter, in which the Spirit animates our relationship with God, just as he promised through his prophets. And if our work truly matters to God, as we explored last week, then our fruitfulness at work is his concern too. So then at work, will we model godly character, displaying the fruits of the Spirit, as we've read in this passage? Work is often a tough place to be, frustrating, so kindness slips. Tiring, so patience is stretched. 
We can be let down or misrepresented or we can be anxious or, and overwhelmed. We live by the Spirit and allow the Spirit to ripen this fruit in you. And in what other ways does the Bible help us with fruitfulness at work? Well, as we saw last week, we are fruitful when we do good work that matters. We're fruitful when we minister grace and love, as we saw with Janet and her ministry of grace and love in that bank. We are fruitful when we positively influence the culture of our place of work, its ethos and values. And this can be daunting, after all, culture is powerful. And each workplace forms its own culture. So it might be easy to pick out the dress code, but the work ethic, whether people trust each other, celebrate or compete with each other, what their core beliefs about people are, that's much more complex. Janet had a set of convictions about people in debt and about call centre operators that were at odds with the senior team. She believed there was good to summon out of people as well as evil to constrain. And culture affects our relationships at work. Is it about survival of the fittest or can we build and grow and become a better people together? So a Christian at work who seeks to live by the Spirit can influence their workplace culture for good. And you don't have to have the title or even the authority to do it. One reasonably junior scientist transformed a workplace culture where people worked in silos, pretty isolated from one another, merely by inviting the office to coffee and cake on a Friday, week by week. As you can imagine, the relationships were strengthened, friendships grew, better collaborative work was done. And that looked like fruitfulness at work. And we are fruitful when we're a mouthpiece for truth and justice. The Bible has much to say about justice, Micah 6. What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? What an awesome opportunity you have in this place. And yet snuffing out gossip in the playground is a way of being a mouthpiece for truth and justice too. So in what ways do you model godly character? Do you make good work? Do you minister grace and love? Do you mould culture? Or do you mouthpiece for truth and justice through your work, your workplace? How is God already working through you? What do you notice? And in what ways might you ask God to help you be more fruitful? And you'll see there's a little card with a prayer on one side and six M's of fruitfulness on the other. You might like to keep it in a place that will remind you that you and your work matter to God and to pray that his spirit will animate your relationship with him and this will result in good fruit to the glory of God. And as we live out each of those M's, there's an impact on those around us. Trust grows. And as trust grows, perhaps we will indeed 
have that water cooler conversation about Christ in response to a question. But whether we do or don't today, we will still be messengers of gospel. I know many people who have come to trust Jesus because they have first come to trust somebody they work with who is a Christian. The revolutionary freedom that is ours in Christ binds us to love. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love at work. Be fruitful where you are. I think the um, implications of the gospel are a little like Dr. Who's TARDIS. It's an awful lot bigger than you might first imagine. So today, how will you have a good day as a Christian at work? What will fruitfulness look like for you? So let's pray together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the good work that you give us to do in this place. Help us live by the Spirit and bear good fruit that brings glory to the name of God.